0: So I have been um, reading a book that has been good for my soul. Um, one of the things that the church, uh, as a Presbyterian church, we, we, we catechize our children. In other words, we, we teach them uh, questions and answers, and these questions and answers are always... Uh, in submission to the Word of God. And the the answers come directly from Scripture. But there's also something called The Preacher's Catechism. It's a new book that has come out. And this this book has been um, reorienting my heart. Here's a quote. What is your heartbeat? Do you love to preach? Or do you love the one you preach. You hear the difference? Do you love to prep your sermons, enjoying the hard mental and spiritual work, or do you love the one you are discovering more about? As Sunday comes, do you long to lift up the name of the triune God in your preaching, declaring the wonder of the three persons, or is your heart set on getting a bit more congregational love in your direction? The task of preaching is a weighty task. Your hearts are on the line. And this morning, I'm inviting a friend to the pulpit. It's not something, I I, I have a hard time giving up this place. (laughs) Because I love the work of learning more about the one who loves me. And I love communicating with uh, these people called Missio Dei Church and watching you grow in grace. But this morning, I am going to step aside. And I'm, I'm going to actually invite you to come on up. This is uh, my friend, here, Chris Reed. And Chris, I have known for the past five years as... A punk counselor at Camp Manitoba. <laughs> I've watched him uh, grow in the various uh, responsibilities in, at Manitoba. I, I love his heart. I love his heart for Jesus, I love his heart for the Word of God. Uh, I love the conversations that I've had. And Chris uh, came to me and said, you know, um, I'm thinking about ministry and I'm thinking about, you know, so what are my options? You know, what should I be doing and for preparation? And 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 honestly, Chris wanted to take the easy way. Right. Yeah, he did. (laughs) I said, dude, you need to go to seminary. You need to get trained in the word of God. It's going to be the hardest thing. It's going to kick your butt. Get to know the language. Get to know uh, your, your uh, Greek, your Hebrew. Get to know Koine, and because it is going to be your friend in getting to know God. And so he is at uh, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School studying to become, a, right now studying to become a minister of some, some flavor. We'll see where God takes him. And this morning, you get the distinct pleasure of hearing Chris's first sermon to adult people,
1: <laughs>
0: as he has ministered to pre-K kids, uh, school-age kids, high school kids, college-age students, and today, we're the old people, I guess. <laughs> so let me let me pray for Chris, and uh, let's open our ears and our hearts to hear what God has to say to us this morning. Father God, the, the ministry... Of shepherding your people through the preaching of the word is a weighty task. But that weighty task should never bog us down because there are nuggets of joy that are just ready to be unearthed. There are moments of conviction that are right in front of us where, Lord, we need to confess our sins and the, the minister has that blessing to unearth those things as well. So Lord, would you work in and through Christopher this morning as he shares from your word, Galatians 3, the beauties of the gospel, of how we are set free in Christ Jesus. Have your way, O Lord, with Chris and us. In this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Good morning, Ms. Yoday. Good, Good morning. morning. Good morning. What an honor it is to be here preaching my first sermon. Um, I'm no unfamiliar face to some of you. I just want to thank Pastor Paul, the senior leader of this house. Thank you for your leadership, your friendship, the past five years. Uh, My parents are here, my biggest encouragers. I promised I wouldn't use them in a sermon illustration, Um, so we're going to go home on good terms. (laughs) Um, For those of you who haven't been with us uh, the last month, Missio Day is going through a series on the book of Galatians. And just to give a little background, Paul, an apostle, evangelist, church planter, radical man for God. He plants a church in an area called Galatia, Uh, teaches them about Jesus. They know the gospel. They know the truth. Um, But as he's going on to plant other churches, people come into his church and start telling them that for salvation, they need more than just Jesus. They need to follow the works of the law. They need to to follow the Jewish law. Paul gets a whiff of this and, and knowing that the gospel is at stake, writes this letter to the Galatians and his message is clear. Salvation is based on faith alone in Christ alone. In him we are free. And so this morning we continue our chapter, uh, chapter three. I'm going through Galatians, which is page 973 in your pew Bibles. Um, If we could all turn there and stand for the reading of God's word. Galatians chapter 3, we're going to read verses 1 through 14. Just listen to the tone here. It says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit... Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. In the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, Preach preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, And you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not a faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God. You may be
1: seated. So in the spring of 2014, as a teenager, I experienced one of the greatest afternoons in a teenager's life. You're thinking, Chris, you were 18. What was it? Was it your first date, your senior prom, graduation? It was none of those. (laughs) This afternoon, I stepped into the Lincoln Way East parking lot as I began my driving lessons. And was this a big deal? I was less than two months away from becoming street legal. Now, this was a big deal. No longer would I have to ride the school bus. No longer would I have to beg my parents or friends to take me to and fro. I could go wherever I wanted. I just needed my license. In between me and Freedom sat 50 hours of road training. (laughs) Nevertheless, my sister was in the backseat. She, too, was getting her license. We hopped in the back of the Volvo And I got in the front with my instructor, and and I just said the first thing that came to my mind to my instructor. I said, Mr. Tamaska, you need to teach me how to drift like they do in the movies. (laughs) And and he looks at me, he's like, drift, what is drift? And I say, Mr. Tamaska, drift, you know drift. It's when you put the back wheel down and you let the wind and the air take you wherever you want it to go. I can feel my mom cringing right now. (laughs) You let the wind and the air take you from left to right, wherever you want to go. And he's like, oh, my gosh, Chris. No, no, Camille, you start. You guys switch. You you go in the back seat. And guys, I, I tell you that story because while drifting, going from left to right, going wherever you want to go is cool and exciting in movies such as Fast and Furious. Drifting can be detrimental as it pertains to the Christian stance on the gospel. In our passage today, we read about a group of church members whose affections, commitments, thoughts, and attentions have drifted from the truth of Jesus and the gospel. What once was a church who trusted solely in Jesus' salvation has now been deceived into trying to work For their own salvation. In this letter, Paul plays the role of the driving instructor, reminding the church that you started this race with with Jesus, and you must finish this race by faith in Jesus. The entire Christian life, from beginning to the end, from start to finish, is is based on faith, not performance. Paul starts out in verse 1, he's hot. He says, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Now that word, bewitch, that's a weird word, but it means to deceive or cloud. Paul is saying, who has deceived you into thinking that you could try to earn God's love by your performance, by being good enough or doing enough? Remember how you started in faith? Who told you to give that up? Who told you that you could begin this Christian walk? By trusting in Jesus, but now try to take matters into your own hands. They're telling you things that that seem like they're adding to the gospel, but they're actually sucking the life out of it. What's funny is that Paul knew exactly who came into his church. You see, this was the Judaizers. The Judaizers, you know the Judaizers. They come in, and these people know the law. Paul's off. They come in and they say, hey, church, with all the racial and ethnic tension, hey, church. Paul told you the half truth. If you really want to be like us, if you really want to be a Christian, if you really want to be made right before God, you need to follow the old Jewish law. And so the Galatian church started out with faith in Jesus, but are now being told they're trying to earn their salvation. And Paul is hot because he already preached the truth to them. Verse one, it says it was before your eyes that Jesus was Clearly portrayed as crucified, Paul is playing a parent. Parents, you know, when you've taught your children the truth, you've taught them your rules, your expectations. You've laid the foundation, and then they go and do something you told them exactly not to do. It's like, didn't I tell you the truth? Would you would you think didn't I tell you the rules? Paul is like, you already know the truth. I preached it to you. You know the gospel. You know that you were dead in your sins and you were separated from God, but because God was rich in mercy, he sent Jesus to come to the cross and die for you, taking your sin and your shame, all your fear, anxiety, doubt, every single thing was on that cross and he has set you free. Three days later, he loved you enough not to stay dead, but to raise from the grave. And now he lives at the right hand of God, the father and all power and glory. He says, you know the truth. You know the gospel. You know that you were dead in your sins, following your own ways, living for the American dream and gossip and power and money. But God opened his loving arms to you and ran after you, not because of what you could do for him, but because of what he could do for you, because he loved you. But how many, how many of us in the church would agree that, that even when we know what's right, even when we know the truth, there are always Voices, people, and circumstances that try to derail us from that truth. Mm -hmm. Isn't that the truth with Adam and Eve in the beginning? Who knew the truth of God? They knew the love of God more than anybody. But what did the serpent do? Came in and deceived the truth. Paul says, somebody has clouded you from the simple truth of the gospel. Something and I know who someone has gotten your eyes off of Jesus. The simple truth that he loves you, died for you, saved you, would do anything for you. The simple truth that he is everything you need. My question to you, Miss Day, is who has bewitched you? Hmm. What voices are you listening to right now at work, at school, at home, that have been pulling you away from the truth of Jesus? The voices that say you have to be good enough for God to fully accept you. The voices that say your value is what you achieve at work or at school. The voices that say God is far off from you or doesn't care about your suffering or your circumstances. The voices that say Jesus doesn't still work miracles. The lies that say your individual life as a Christian doesn't matter. What have you been listening to that has gotten your eyes off the truth? Even though the Galatian church knew the truth, that the Christian life is based on faith and not works. Somebody was telling them otherwise. Moves on to verse two. He says, did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by faith? Paul is saying, guys, remember when I preached the gospel to you originally, you were given the Holy Spirit, not because of your works or because of because you earned it, but because of your faith, all the miraculous gifts, the spiritual gifts you've been given. To teach, to love, to shepherd, to administrate the things you guys are using at school and at work and in your lives right now. All the blessings, all the blessings and the opportunities. God gave those to you, not because you earned them, but because of his own grace. You know, I'm still young, only 23, but I have found that one sure way to pervert, hurt, or sour the gospel is to somehow believe that you earned it. Isn't that why it's good news? number one because it's free if they said there are chicken wings in the family room in the back the first thing I would say is are they free (laughs) yes they're free like it's free is good news and number two it's good news because you don't have to do anything to earn it that's the gospel it's free grace and Jesus already did the work to think that you somehow played a role is false your only role is a recipient Jesus has done all the work. My only role is the recipient of the good news. We simply receive the grace. And in the same way, the, the Galatians received this spirit by faith. And this is where Paul goes in. Verse 3, he says, Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? I have found that after you've been walking with the Lord some time, and this is for all of us, there is a temptation to think that somehow you got yourself here, but not only that. But that you can make it in this life as a Christian on your own effort. Can we be honest? The thought that you can be good on your own, that you can ride this life as a Christian on your own behavior, a temptation to say, Lord, I'm cleaned up. I don't yell at my spouse or my kids as much as I used to. I don't gossip about my friends as much as I used to. I don't curse as much as the people around me. I'm not as bad as the people around me. You clean me up. I think I'm good now. This sanctification thing, which is a, a fancy word, kids, for, for being more like Jesus. I think I can take the sanctification thing from here now. And while this isn't ever something we would ever admit or even something we ever mean to do. It's easy to become complacent in our dependence on the Lord for provision and spiritual maturity. Think about this. When you haven't struggled in your finances or resources, it's easy to trust in those rather than the giver of those. When you've had a lot of success and become good at something, whether it's at work or at school or at your job, it's easy to trust in your gifts and abilities rather than the God who gave you those abilities. When you haven't had much trouble, trial, opposition, or pain, it's tempting to think that you don't have to pray as much. When your outward behavior is much better than it used to be, it's tempting to think that you can be a good Christian on your own. Paul is saying, are you really trying to be a good Christian mom, dad, husband, wife, son, daughter, student, employee in your own efforts? Are you really trying to pastor a church in your own strength? Are you really trying to take matters into your own hands? Because please remember, when you were stuck in your sinful and destructive ways, it was Jesus who pulled you out and cleaned you up. When the marriage was at the point of no return, it was God who stepped in and kept it together. When your children were going wayward, making decisions they knew they shouldn't make, it was God who ran after them and brought them back in. When you didn't have the money to pay the bills and weren't sure how you were going to make it, God kept the food On the table, when your heart was broken beyond repair, Jesus reached in and healed every single part. When you struggled in identity and purpose, God gave you a new identity as his kid. When the fear, anxiety, depression, and loneliness were too much for you to handle, it was Jesus who grabbed a hold of you and gave you peace. I need him just as much today as I did before. So why, church, would you take matters into your own hands and try to sanctify yourselves? And friends, I know what it's like. I know when I don't see much progress in my job or at school or in my life or even as a Christian, there's a natural tendency in me to want to fix it, to want to grab hold of that. And know that Paul isn't asking us to be lazy. We should be seeking the Lord and saying no to sin. But what Paul is saying is, how did you start? How did you start in faith? By praying, (coughs) by reading your word, by depending on God. By constantly reminding yourself of the gospel, letting Jesus transform you from the inside out, trusting and depending on him. Philippians 1.6, I love it in the NLT. It says, he who began a good work in you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Who began the good work? God. Who will be faithful to complete it? God. What's our role? To seek and have faith in him. Let us not try to take matters into our own hands. Jesus is the one who has gotten us here. Let us trust in him to complete the work he began. Paul moves on in verse 4. He said, did you suffer so many things in vain by living by faith? The Galatian church, they had been persecuted, ostracized, and even scattered because of their faith in Jesus. But the Lord had carried them through. Paul is saying, everything you've been through, everything God has brought you through. Every time you depended on God, every time you prayed that he would make a way, it was worth it. It was worth it. Every time people at school didn't want to talk to you because you were that weird Christian. Every time you took a job for less money because you knew that God called you to it. Everything you've been through, it has been worth it. Why would you give it up? To go back to works? It's been worth it to trust God and not your own efforts. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move here. But, but Paul, in this last section of, of the passage, gives us just two points this morning for why it's worth it for us, Missy O'Day, to live by faith and not by works or performance. The first comes through verses 6 to 9. The first reason we're to live by faith is that we're children of God through faith, not family. Children of God through faith. Not family. I'll read it really quickly. It says, Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then, it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. In the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. One thing that has affected the American church today, and for centuries is that salvation is somehow connected to ethnicity, or race, or culture, or familiar upbringing. Hasn't this hurt the church? So if I have the right skin tone, if I grew up in the right tradition, if I came from a a great church family, that's what makes me a Christian. That's what justifies me before God. That's what makes me truly his child. Paul says, "Ah, Galatians, you have got it all wrong. He brings an aid. He says, remember your boy, Abraham, because I'm going to go here. Remember Abraham, who followed the Mosaic law, who was a Jewish man. If there was anybody who grew up with the right family, the right tradition, had the right skin tone, the right ethnicity. If there was anybody who knew the right culture, it was Abraham. Yet not even he was counted righteous because of those things. But why was he counted righteous? Because of his faith. This is how it went down for Abraham. Abraham. Paul says this is how it went down for Gentiles and this is how it goes down for us. And the Lord was pleased to do it this way, that people would be accepted at Missio Day and in this Christian family, not because of their skin tone, their lineage, their gender, not how much money they make at their job or how much is in their bank account, not their social or economic status, not how many church picnics you've been to, but that they would be children of God because of what Jesus did on the cross. Who has right standing before God? Those who live by faith in Jesus, who are the true Christians, Judaizers, those who trust solely in the life, death and resurrection of Christ. John 1, 12, I love it. It says for all who did receive him, for all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Isn't this good news, church, Mm -hmm. that some of us grew up in families where we were told if people look different from you, don't grow up in the same culture as you, don't have the same house as you, that we're somehow distant or, or different from them. Friends, that may be the norm in your family, but not in this family, in this church, in this ministry, in this faith. God has made a way for each and every single one of us, regardless of background, to be accepted into his family. White, black, blue, short, tall, every single person. Rich, poor, we're all children of God. Why? Because of what Jesus has done. Not because of what we've done. True Christians, true children of God, are those who live by faith. Paul moves on. And the second reason we're to live by faith is that Jesus is the only one sufficient for salvation. This is a weird passage. I'm just going to read verse 10. It says, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Curse be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. And this is a weird passage. But Paul is saying, let me explain to you. For those of you who want to try to earn your salvation, you want to try to muster up and strive enough love for God. uh, Let me tell you why that cannot work. I know the Old Testament law. I was a Jewish dude. Let me break it down for you. Back in the day, God said, if you want to follow the Old Testament Mosaic law, you have to follow it 100%. How many of you who want to follow the law can do that? Absolutely zero. So since you can't follow the law, you're under a curse. But thank God for Jesus, who became a curse for you on that tree. So you have one or two options. You can try to live by faith. Or you can try to live by your own works. Who wants to live by the works? I can hear them reading this letter like, oh, I don't want to live by works anymore because I can't do it. I don't want to be cursed. He's like, thank you. That's why we have Jesus who became the curse. He was perfect. He was the one who could obey the law fully. That's why we trust in him, church. Our works couldn't save us. Your good behavior, your good good performance couldn't save you. Only Jesus could save you. The law points us to our need for him. What was wrong with the law? Nothing was wrong with the law. It was us who was messed up, who couldn't keep the law. That's why Jesus came. Verse 13 says, Christ redeemed us. That's such a cool word. It means he made a payment to set us free. To set us free from our sin, um, our slavery, slavery to sin, and also slavery in the law. Thank God for Jesus. People no longer have to become Jews or follow the Mosaic laws to become Christian. Salvation is by faith alone in Jesus alone. Galatians three twenty-five and 26, it says, and now that faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. For you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul's message for us this morning is clear. The entire Christian life, from start to finish, from beginning to end, is to be lived by faith, not your own performance. And knowing that this morning, church, my question for you is, where do you find yourself this morning? Have you been trying and striving to be accepted by God and others, whether it's at school or at work and coming up short? Have you been resting in his love that he's got you, he's paid the price for you? (laughs) Or have you been trying to take matters into your own hands to take care of your family, your own salvation? Where do you find yourself this morning? Regardless of where you find yourself, know that Jesus, he loves you. He is saving you. He's working miracles in and outside of you. And that he is finishing the work that he started. And if you don't know him this morning, do know that his arms are wide open. And he's ready for you to come to him. Living by faith, friends, is not an excuse for laziness. One of my dad's favorite verses that he taught me growing up is Chris. Faith without works is dead. Paul is not telling us to be lazy, church. But what he is saying is that we need to go back to how we started, which is seeking the Lord and trusting in the Lord. And I'm going to close with this story. I wasn't going to tell it. Um, But when I was younger, my parents know my aunt. Took my sister and I, um, Cam can't be here uh, today. She's doing big things at school. Um, We were in a church play when we were uh, younger. We grew up in the mega church, so big lights, big everything. We were in a church play called Jesus of Nazareth. It was amazing. Had thousands of people coming in and get saved uh, every single year. It was super cool. And they had the kids play. And in the kids play this one particular year, I played the thief on the cross that was next to Jesus but I messed it up because I laughed when I was supposed to be dead, threw off the entire play. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I can remember uh, as a kid being a thief in the play, one one um, scene in the passion play that, that I always love. It comes from Luke chapter 7. It's when Jesus is talking to the, the centurion, whose who's servant is sick. Centurion comes up to Jesus and he says, "Jesus, I'm a man of authority." I can do big things. I'm a Roman leader. My servant is sick. I can't heal him. I need you to heal him. And and when I tell people to go, they go. When I tell them to come, they come. I am a man of authority. I've done big things. But I need you to do something. And Jesus, he says, Sir, I haven't seen such great faith in all of Israel. In another way, he's saying, I am impressed by your faith. And what's crazy is that Jesus... He was not impressed by what this man could do, by what was on his resume, by what his uh, title was at work. He wasn't impressed by any of that. He was impressed by his faith. And that always stood by me because a lot of times we we get caught up in trying to do things for God and, and having our identity. And, and impress God with what we can do and what we can say and how many people we know and how many people get saved by our ministry. And what Jesus is impressed by is none of that but by your faith. If you want to impress Jesus, it won't be by what you can do. Continue to seek him and trust in him. He is self, sufficient for salvation. Live by faith the entire Christian
0: life is lived by faith in Christ not by performance let's pray